This is an RNZ podcast. Last Monday, alongside reports of the so-called youth crime wave, the Herald also reported nearly 100 Kiwis have been shot dead in just four years amid an explosion in gang warfare and firearms violence. And the headline on that referred to shocking gun statistics as gang warfare and firearms violence erupt. But as the story went on to note, 51 of those 92 people killed in the last four years were shot dead not by gangs, but by white supremacist terrorist Brenton Tarrant in March 2019. Now, that doesn't mean that guns and gangs are not a potentially lethal problem. The Herald said that figures obtained under the OIA showed there were just 69 murders committed across Aotearoa that involved a firearm in the 10 years to 2017. But murder, attempted murder, aggravated robbery or assault crimes involving a firearm almost doubled last year, the paper said. Worrying stuff. But it didn't say how much of this was down to gangs, which were so prominent in the headline and the intro of that story. Now, the same day, the Herald also carried an article by Dr Jared Gilbert, one of New Zealand's foremost experts in gangs and crime, in which he warned politicians were beating the drum on gangs and guns. And that's because he just released a report all about anti-gang laws that were made in haste 25 years ago, described by TVNZ's breakfast show like this. Returning to the issue of gang violence now, and Aotearoa's gang laws have been criticised in new research from Canterbury University, which has labelled them as both ineffective and negligible. A number of laws have hardly been used in this time. One of them, uh, which is habitually associating with a violent offender. This is from when the legislation was introduced back in 1998. Up to 2020, you can see it's only been used twice back in 2003, and if we look at a similar piece of legislation which is called habitually associating with a drug offender, actually it's never been used between 1998 and 2020. Not the once. So you see why they're calling it ineffective. Now after that, Dr Gilbert told TVNZ's Breakfast Show it wasn't for nothing that politicians acted back in 1996. A bit like we're experiencing now, there had been an upswing in serious gang violence, he said, especially in the South Island. The mayor of Invercargill is calling for residents to remain calm following escalating violence between two gangs, Black Power and the white supremacist gang, the Road Knights. Police are investigating two recent incidents in the city, the latest on Sunday night when a van was shot at after passing the Black Power headquarters. Last week, the Black Power gang house was sprayed with bullets and homemade bombs were tossed at it. No one was injured, but there are fears it's just a matter of time before someone is. Anita Lee reports. It was RNZ's morning report in early 1996 when the co-host Mike Hosking pointed out the aggro was making headlines in the newspapers as well. Inside the paper, the shooting of a Black Power member with one of, was one of three gang-related incidents in Invercargill yesterday. As well, two rival gang associates fought in the foyer of Invercargill District Court and police raided a gang headquarters. Now across the Tasman, new federal treasury... Last Monday, Dr Gilbert told TBNZ Breakfast that what happened a quarter of a century ago could happen again here with an election coming up. Right now, the parallels to what was happening in 1996 are very, very clear. And so I would predict, in fact, I'll take any bet with any viewer um, out there, that we will see a big legislative drive before next year's election. And if we don't expect better from our politicians, we will get the same results. Dr Gilbert's Law Foundation-funded study, called Making Laws in a Panic, noted that thanks to effective policing back in 1996, that South Island gang violence had actually died down long before the laws were changed. But while Dr Gilbert said he hoped for better from politicians now, 25 years later, what about the media? 
His Making Laws in a Panic report analysed bulletins, headlines and articles from 1996 to see which arguments were covered and, crucially, which ones were not. And he concluded that the main problem in the mid-1990s was a highly charged political environment driven by high-profile events. Now, back then, one politician became the most outspoken anti-gang voice, opposition Labour MP and former Prime Minister Mike Moore, whose use of the media was, according to Dr Gilbert, powerful and deliberate and intended to support his calls for political action. And Mike Moore himself confirmed it in these words. I was pumping it all the time and the public was getting outraged. You've got to build it up and then get the government to respond to it. Mike Moore was a constant presence in the media, the report says, and he also began writing long opinion pieces for daily newspapers. In one for the New Zealand Herald, Mike Moore claimed, we are engaged in a fundamental battle to preserve peace and civil order in New Zealand. And he also told reporters at the time that gangs are no longer groups of hoons who smash the occasional pub, they've graduated into serious organised crime. And Mike Moore was still at it in 2007, penning a piece for the Herald claiming... Action only emerges if it's on the front page and appearing in opinion polls. Now, Dr Gilbert interviewed Mike Moore at length about all this back in 2004 and concluded that he had a shallow understanding of the gangs. And Mike Moore also told Dr Gilbert that his commentaries came largely from police sources and were carried in the media without question. Now, Dr Gilbert's report says that back in 1996, it was only after the moral panic was long over that alternative views appeared as proposals for gang laws progressed throughout Parliament. Sociologist Greg Newbold's research contradicted Mike Moore, concluding that the gangs were too disorganised for much organised crime back then. His research was published in the US, but ignored by media here. But the assumption the opposite was true persuaded MPs to make those changes to the laws, some of which, as Dr Gilbert's new report revealed this week, have barely been used or never been deployed against gangs. And the Making Laws in a Panic report also showed that some of the law changes were exposed as ineffective almost immediately. For example, under the new legislation, the gangs had 30 days to remove fences and fortifications. Highway 61 made a legal challenge, which meant their fortification remained in place until July 1999, and the gang then replaced it with a legal two-metre-high fence, which only exposed neighbours to greater noise. And Black Power and Christchurch also put up a new structure that was covered by the court's new ruling in late 1999. Now, in the Herald this week, Jared Gilbert said that what was occurring back in 1996 is remarkably similar to what's occurring now. New gangs are entering established territories, leading to significant violence. And in the lead-up to an election, politicians responded back then, I'll bet you anything you like, he said, we'll see the same before next year's election. But it seems we're already getting some of that in the media now.